Welcome to the Fabric Podcast, where we explore company culture and how it scales as a company grows. Brought to you by the team at The Receptionist, a bootstrapped Denver-based software company. Each episode of Fabric will set out to uncover unique and uncommon answers to the question, how do companies of any size create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? On this episode of the Fabric Podcast, we go deep into a concept that's related to a number of our core values, and that concept is assuming positive intent. We're joined by two members of our leadership team, co-founder and director of customer experience, Jessica Marshall, and director of sales, Tom Foster. We discuss what assuming positive intent really means, and we get the backstory on how this concept came to be something that we all live by and how it's helped us. We talk about what can get in the way of this and examples of when assuming positive intent did not happen when Jess and Tom were at other companies. By assuming positive intent, you create a strong foundation for communication, collaboration, and more. And we're excited to share all of this on today's episode. Well, I'm so excited to be back on the show. Tom, how are you doing today? Very well. Good to see you. How are you, Sarah? I'm good, thank you. And Jess, how are you? Fantastic. Happy Monday. We're recording on a Monday. We are recording on a Monday. No one will know, but to us, we know it's a Monday. All right. Well, we are talking about something really important today, and this is an idea of assuming positive intent. I love that we're talking about this in the work context, but this is also just such a good life lesson to assume positive intent, but so that we don't assume anything incorrectly and our listeners don't make assumptions. What exactly does that mean? Well, it sounds really easy, doesn't it? Yeah. Assume positive intent. I got to tell you from a personal standpoint is I came into this company and I had heard this, we assume positive intent here. And I'm like, uh, okay, what, what does that mean? <laughs> How does that work? Because most of us have come from places where it's not quite that way, but it really is. It sounds like it's, it's so simple, but it is yet so hard because a lot of it has to do with freeing yourself and ridding yourself of the layers of past job traumas, trust issues, you know, having to perform at an optimum level or at a level that is part of the finite game and, you know, really for most of your career. So I think the hardest part of positive intent is the actual peeling back the layers. If you imagine an onion and getting down to the raw, who you really are as a person. And I can say that simply because when I started, I had a whole lot of layers. Now I'm pretty open. (laughs) Just does that kind of add that up there? You're, you're an ogre. You've shed all your layers, you ogre. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I think, um, I think positive intent comes from both sides and I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but it takes a lot to hear what someone is saying to you that is conflicting or, um, in contradiction to your belief system or, or whatever you're trying to lay out for the team today. It's, it takes a lot to take that and not take it personally. And I think that does come from the past job trauma. We, we all, I think, have experienced a job or a place of business where you're not allowed to speak up or to contradict what, whatever the policy might be of the day or you know, what, what sales group we're going to go after or what marketing team we're going to go, what path we're going to go down. It takes a lot of confidence to speak up against that and have a different idea. And it takes just as much to take that in without taking it personally. And that's assuming positive intent. I assume that when Tom contradicts me or has a differing viewpoint, that he's not coming at me. He's coming at a place of, I think this might be better for us as a company. Yeah. 
I would say it and to piggyback on Jess is that it, it opens up a whole different type of discussion. You're not guarded. You're able to say things that you normally wouldn't. And in Jess and I's instance, we tend to um, have these little wet things drip down our face sometimes <laughs> during meetings because it really does allow you to be vulnerable, but it's extremely liberating and a freeing concept, but it is extremely hard to ingrain it, you know, and I think Jess has more information on, on how that all started. Yeah. And we'll get into that in just a moment, but it's this idea that, yeah, when you're willing to speak up, that others are assuming that you're coming from a positive place, that when you get that feedback or that challenge, you're assuming that that challenge comes from a positive place and a place of helping. And that can be really hard to do, especially when we do feel like we're being challenged, our guard can go up immediately. But as you said, it just, when you can do that and do that well, it really just opens you up. It opens the company up. So yeah, Jess, can you give us some background? How did this idea become important to the company? And was it explicitly addressed at first? Did it evolve? Kind of give us some backstory on this. I think kind of both. Um, We had a hired consultant who was sort of helping us formulate some processes and 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 get our company moving forward in in a various different ways. Um, and the very first meeting we had was a set of meeting rules. And part of those meeting rules were no technology. You're going to close your computer. You're not going to act like you're listening to me and still be working behind the scenes. And then the second one was assume positive intent. And all of us I had kind of heard of this theory, but we all just sort of stopped and went, we really need to talk about this for a minute. Tell me what you mean by assuming positive intent. It's like, we're going to talk about some ugly stuff. And it's not likely that we're all going to agree on the difficult topics that we're going to face. And you have to understand that your colleagues are coming from a place of kindness and contradiction at the same time, and that it's not personal. And it's so, I think it's such a human condition to automatically assume you're coming at me, right? If you contradict my ideas, then you're coming at me. And that's not what assuming positive intent is. It means you're challenging my ideas and you're going to present something that is in contradiction to them, but you're not challenging me and you're not calling me names or diminishing my thoughts or ideas but you're challenging them. And that, that is an elevation of mindset to say, I can be challenged and not take it personally. 100%. It takes, <laughs> it's, you, you have to be a lot stronger to do that. Because see, we, we also as a leadership team had gone through and read the four agreements. And one of those is don't assume. So, and now we're talking about assuming positive intent. And it goes hand in hand. It may sound like, what in the heck is Tom talking about? But when you don't assume, you can assume positive intent because you're not assuming the negatives. Because let's just be real. Most of us, when we get challenged on an idea, or we get challenged on a thing, we get, you know, a little bit hurt. Our ego is like, well, I thought that was the greatest idea since well, I put a lot of work into this too, right? Exactly. All, none of us are not putting work into this. I put a lot of work into this. And you're like, wow. And it's really that, that the inner child that really says, man. But once you realize that, hey, this is not coming from any place of negativity, it really gives you a foundation that once everybody truly understands this. And, and it does take time. When you hire a new person, it takes them a little bit of time to kind of drop off that negativity or that past job trauma to really get into hard things and pointed conversations. And why are we doing things this way? And what was your thought process behind it? 
And what it also does is it makes you really think about what you're bringing to the table first, as opposed to just blurting out whatever comes to your mind, um, which is one of the Simon Sinek things that Jess and I have been talking about, but is I try to speak last. And now I think all of us are trying to speak last, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. Yeah. And it's not just what you say, but also how you say it. It's what do I want to bring to the table and how do I want to do that so that I am best heard and so that people are hopefully able to assume that positive intent. And you've mentioned job job trauma a couple of times, but I also think we don't do this well in our personal life. We're not always heard well. We might get defensive. People get defensive when we bring up things. So we're also bringing all of this, unfortunately, into the workplace when we're being vulnerable to present these new ideas. So it's, it's already probably obvious, but again, we're not assuming anything in this episode. So <laughs> assuming positive intent is extremely helpful and important in the workplace, especially related to our core values, but help us get really clear on why this is so important. I mean, I think it always comes back to fabric for us. And, uh, at the end of fabric is collaboration and what, if there's anything I've learned in too many gray hairs of uh, <laughs> business years <laughs> is that my ideas can be bettered by someone else's. I, I'm, I'm a very bright person and I have good ideas and I don't think there has been one that hasn't been improved by someone else's input. And that is the very basis of assuming positive intent. I have to be able to accept input into my thoughts and my processes and my ideas. And that is going to allow me to grow, me to be better, and for my ideas to be implemented better than my thoughts originally had them. Yeah. It's like uh, throwing, and I don't eat meat, but you throw a chicken in the oven, it's not going to taste very good. You throw some spices on it and some other things, I'm sure it's going to taste really good. That's kind of what this does, is it allows your ideas to get spiced up by others. And, you know, it really creates, it fosters really an atmosphere of caring within the organization. Andy Alsop, our CEO, sent me this the other day. It's, it's a quote. I have it on my wall right here. It says, life changes for the better when we realize that we don't have to know everything and we don't have to pretend we know everything. And I think that is, is huge when not assuming positive intent. But I want to give you an example of what not assuming positive intent versus assuming positive intent. So I had my two-year uh, work anniversary a couple last week, I think it was. And uh, thank you. And Jess, was her words were so kind in the card that she gave me, but she started it out with, hey, goofball. That's how we talk to each other because that's who we are. Yeah. If you weren't assuming positive intent and you read that and went, goofball, what? Those of you that can't see me, I'm making a really weird face. Uh, but it was just like, you know, you could be all yeah. bent out of shape. And I said, Jess and I were joking last week when we were talking about this episode, you know, if somebody comes up and says, well, Tom, you're a jackass and you don't assume a positive intent, that could be like, what did I do? What's wrong? What do you mean? Right. And all of a sudden, next thing you're revved up and you're, you're, I don't defensive. know how to say it. You're, you're defensive. defensive. Thank you. <laughs> but that's the thing about it is that nobody in the company hides behind positive intent. And I want to explain what that means is in the Tom, you're a you know, a jerk method. We'll just say that, you know, Tom, you're a jerk. <laughs> if I was hiding behind positive intent, I would have intent of hurting, but I'm hiding behind that. None of us have that. And I think that little piece of nugget, right? Or that little nugget of information, that's the hard part to get from people who've had that trauma, or maybe in their own personal lives, they have some of that 
somebody has said some bad things to them as they were growing up or past relationships or whatever it may be is that, hey, we're not actually hiding behind this. This is like legit how we work. So I guess stop looking for the other shoe to drop. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I think part of what you're touching on is people being passive aggressive, which is unfortunately common in personal relationships and workplace dysfunctional relationships. And thankfully, that's not how we operate but we've seen this in a number of places. So those are some great examples of, of how we do things. But let's get to some of the, the not so great examples because as you, you both mentioned job trauma and past history and it has not always been like this, we don't need to go all the way into the rabbit hole. But can you just give us an example of a time where this wasn't practice and, and how it negatively affected culture or workplace relationships? I mean, office gossip is always just kind of this. I remember, I remember in my past company, there was a period of time that was just toxic. And I I think we've all been in a place of a toxic office environment where nobody feels good about what they're doing. Nobody feels like they're being managed properly. Everybody feels like they're being lied to. Like they don't, we don't have the whole story or something's going on behind the scenes. We're just told to show up and do our job. That it's a very toxic environment that is, pervasive. It just, it's like ooze. It just spreads. And I think when you take positive intent from the top down, it's not only how you receive the information, but how you relay the information. So you can't just show up and say, Tom, you're a goofball and expect that he's going to receive that properly. You have to deliver just as positively as you expect for it to be received. So it's a two-way communication change. It's not just how I receive it, but that you then learn to be more mindful of how you're giving feedback. I can't just say, listen, Tom, you're a goofball and I, I don't like your suits. Stop wearing them to the live demos. I want to say, Tom, you're a goofball and your suits are the bomb. And, you know, it, it's got to be delivered in the way that it, it can be received as positively as you intend it to be. And that isn't to say that we don't all uh, have a bad work day because we do. Yeah. We're human. We're <laughs> yeah. human and we all have a bad work day. But I think what I've seen more than anything else with assuming positive intent is that you can kind of feel that coming through you're having a bad day. I think you need to take a walk. And again, that's received as positive. You're taking care of me. You're making sure that my mental health is where it needs to be to do the best that I can do today. And right now I'm not doing the best that I can do today. So I'm going to take your feedback and go for a walk. Yeah. That's a great example because someone could easily take that as you're having a bad day. Go take a walk, right? Like you're in trouble. Right. Walk it off, just go. And that could either be sent as that message, that could be received as that message. So I think that's such a great example because you can see how clearly you can relay that message, you can receive that message in any number of ways. But if as a culture we know we assume positive intent, you're more mindful, like you said, about how you deliver that message. You're more prepared to receive it in the way it was intended. And so it Right. Tends to work really well, which is you're looking out for me, not yeah. you go yeah. away. Totally. Yeah. Well, Tom, I don't want to forget you. I'm sure you have a not so great example of how this has gone down previously. Again, these are not these are not examples <laughs> from us right now. These are previous examples. <laughs> well, 
I will say it does reduce your anxiety when you don't have to worry about the other shoe dropping. Um, I think every one of us has completely experienced this, but it just brings up an extremely valid point. It's how it's delivered as well as how it's received. If you're listening to this and you have a, a culture that maybe has a little bit of toxicity to it, it's going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to take, I like to call it relational capital that you make a deposit into that bank. And until that bank's full, you're still, there's a hard way to assume that it's a positive thing. You know, and we've all, we've all been there where it makes you feel weak or it destroys your morale, where you say something to somebody and then they turn it around in the middle of a meeting and, and they're, are, they're, they're looking for ways to make you look bad. And the thing you got to realize that if you're in a relationship like that or in a uh, work relationship, I should say like that, is that it's generally not a you issue. It's generally a them issue. <laughs> if It's really hard to, can, to keep that in, in, in your place. But yeah, we've all been at places where we're like, you know, shut up, cash your paycheck, just do your work, don't ask questions. It's my, why, why, and you know, the, the age old why. Well, why are we doing it that way? Because that's how it's always been done. If you're hearing that, maybe it's time to like raise your hand and say, hey, can we read a book like The Four Agreements by, you know, Don Ruiz? And say, let's use this. Because uh, I think personally, I use it with our teenager. Um, we use the four agreements. And the four agreements are be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And it has changed hit the ability to discipline, if you will, because we can say, which of the four did you not meet? And he's like, oh, shoot. Well, let's do better next time. That I think helps doing it at home. You, if you practice at home, it makes it easier at work. Yeah. Because <laughs> I will tell you that right now. I love that. I'm fil filing that away for later for when mine become teenagers. I like that. That's great. So we've already heard a couple of good examples of how we are practicing this idea of assuming positive intent at the receptionist. But can either of you share a story or a time where maybe you weren't even involved in it, you just saw it happening, or maybe you were involved of when this assuming positive intent really went well in a situation? Oh, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it ever, I don't think I've ever seen it go poorly, quite honestly. And it's almost like the, uh, it's, I think it's a better form of, uh, what's the, what's the phrase? No offense. Right. So if you start yeah. a sentence with no offense, you're, you're kind of already, you're probably going to offend somebody. Yep. <laughs> um, but when, I think when you really live this value, you, you hear with all positive intent, I completely disagree with your decision to do X, Y, or Z, and here's why, then it opens the conversation and you can talk about why you made that decision and why I disagree with it and our valid points on either side. And it also means that we can agree to disagree, but that you've heard me and I feel heard and you're still going to make that decision and that's fine. I have had those conversations. Business is hard. We are all very different people coming from very different points of view with different ideas and goals. I think one of the last um, podcasts we did, we talked about the year in review and how Tom had the most optimistic view of what 2020 <laughs> is going to look like and how our CEO, Andy, had the least optimistic view. But that's one of those things where you can kind of look at Tom and go, yeah, I know exactly where Tom's coming from. He's coming from, we got this, it's going to be fine. And somewhere in the middle, all of us can sort of say, I think you're being overly optimistic. And Tom can go, yeah, yeah, probably am. Nope. That's my place <laughs> of living. I'm overly optimistic. 
So this business is hard. Relationships are hard. But when you when you relay your information and you're all like meeting on the same plane, you can do it without taking it personally and like walking away demoralized. You still feel heard and a part of decisions that are being made. Yeah, I know John's got a story too about well, one hundred percent on that because we walk away from some of our leadership meetings of just like we've had some intense discussions like about whatever it is. And it's literally every one of us the next morning on standups, like that was one of the best growth meetings, the best leadership meetings that we've had. And it's because there is that, you know, I'm super optimistic, you know, like we figure out a way to work together because we're, we're basically married to five people in the leadership team. We're all married. So you got to figure out how to work together. <laughs> I know that may be a bad example. I don't think that's a it's example a good analogy. <laughs> but I have, it didn't go badly. And a lot of, I don't think things generally do go badly because most people understand positive intent, but there was an opportunity for a situation that was instituted or a policy, if you will, that was instituted that could have went just off the rails and been looked at like, what are you talking about? Why are we doing this? This is just your microman. Like there's a lot of things and it's called the turtle police, which Jess uh, brought up. And it's super awesome because what it does is the turtle police, when you first hear it, you can be like, Wait, what? You're telling me to slow down, but I'm in sales. I need to go 150 miles an hour. Why? What? But mistakes cost you more time. But from a company standpoint, everybody now, it's kind of funny. We put a little turtle in to all the time in Slack. Like, turtle, did you think of this? Did you think of that? And now I think people are really looking at the turtle police. It's not a negative thing whatsoever, but it could have been seen as a control issue or a negative issue or passive aggressive as you brought up earlier. Totally. Yeah, micromanaging. Thank you. Totally. Yes. But it's not. It's just meant, hey, did you think of this? Slow down. What what were the steps that you did beforehand? And I know Jess and I have talked about we have a, a phrase that we say, hey, did you delin it? Did, that means that you ask a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Delin. We coined a new verb for our co-founder, Delin Berry, who questions everything incessantly. <laughs> and absolutely to per perfection. And if you haven't delinned something to death, you have not asked enough questions. Correct. And it's it's filtered down to all of us. Like we all are now slowing down, realizing, hey, not everything has to be going at, you know, I went from 150 to 100, and my goal is by the end of this year to be at 80 miles an hour. So exactly. and everybody's at 50, and you know we'll meet there. You know, I think that's good. Yeah, good, <laughs> good, good place to be. Well, you two have shared so much great information. I want to touch on one more idea before we finish up. We've sort of touched on this, but I think it's important to be explicit. The idea of practicing empathy and how this relates to positive intent. What, what do we want to say about this before we finish up today? I mean, I just watched the empathy podcast, or um, I guess it was the speech that Simon Sinek gave. And it really touched home with me because a lot of people think businesses are there to make money, you know, and that's what they, 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 they're there for. And if somebody isn't meeting your objectives, whatever these objectives are that you've created in your mind, you just fire them. And he had a really good story about your kids. So if your kid brings a bad grade home from school, do you say, oh, you're up for adoption. Bye. No, you figure out how to work with them. You figure out what needs they have. You figure out what things you can assist them with and get them that help. And I think empathy from that standpoint is when you look at it like, oh my gosh, yeah, I brought these people in, especially with our hiring process. I mean, let's be real. It takes a while to get somebody because we want the right person. And if there is a hiccup, it's okay. We're human beings, as Jess said earlier. We're just human. 
we're going to have a bad day or we're going to have a bad week or maybe we don't understand anything or don't understand what I'm trying to do. And raising your hand when you have all this past job trauma of not understanding positive intent, it's hard to raise that hand. And it takes a lot of trust and a lot of guts to actually say, I, I don't know, can you help me out here? And it really just is, is very freeing because you do it once, it's scary as heck. You do it twice, it's not so scary. You do it 10 times and it just becomes who you are. And I think being empathetic with not just the leadership team, all of the people in the company, your customers, your suppliers, you know, the people that do our shipping, they have bad days too. And they made a mistake. It's okay. How do we work together? And I think I sound very kumbaya, don't I? <laughs> okay. We like that about you. <laughs> you are all kumbaya. I am. But I mean, if you just treat people like that and you practice empathy and realize that you don't know what's going on in that person's life. Like, where are they coming from? What's happening? And instead of saying, you know, hey, your sales numbers are down for the last month. What's going on? You need to change that. Say, hey, man, your sales numbers are down. What, how can I help you? Is everything okay? What's going on? It's, it's a different way to look at business, you know? Yeah. What's <laughs> going on? And I think we had a period of this and it was not surprisingly uh, between the election and the holidays um, in CX. And people, and I don't mean our people, but it was our people too, but people were feeling traumatized and you could hear it. It was coming in on the phone lines. It was coming into intercom in our chat portal. People were just struggling to get through a day. And when their printer stopped printing out badges, we're the ones who take all the, yeah. So we absorb all of that. And I think what we saw empathetically, what we instituted was I was talking to my team daily. I was like, listen, you guys, they're just as tired as you are. It's the holidays. Their mother-in-law just arrived. Their printer just ran out of paper. Whatever it is, this is not about you. You've got to try and, and see where they're coming from. Just give them a smile in their day and fix the problem. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. And we carry that same thing through. I think Tom made a really great example with our own employees. It's not that your sales numbers are down. It's not that I'm going to come down on you. It's something's off. Talk yeah. to me. Or if you can't talk to me, I understand that. Who do you need to talk to? How can I help you get the person you need to talk to? How can I help you get through whatever's going on with you? That's yeah. the core of empathy. Yeah. And when you're empathetic, it, it is, it's easier to then assume positive intent from that person. They're not maybe trying to attack you. They're not trying to be mean to the customer reps. They are just having a bad day and their printer stopped working. So <laughs> it's, you know, it, it makes everything that much easier. Well, as we wrap up, what's maybe one final tip that we can give to our listeners from each of you to maybe help make this shift, especially if it's not a bigger picture practice within the organization, this idea to get a little closer to assuming positive intent all around? Well, I think my best one is that you start with yourself and it's how you deliver your message. So if you're having a bad day and you're about to lash out at someone, go take a walk and find a way to, to work that out within yourself. The messages that you deliver should always come from a place of positive intent. Do you really mean the, the criticism 
or the feedback that you're going to deliver and the words that you're going to use to deliver it. Be careful with your words and how you deliver criticism or feedback so that it is able to be absorbed as positively as you should be intending it. Yeah. I think we've all learned recently that words matter and how you say those words. And I agree a hundred percent. It starts with you. You are the one. And if you're in a situation like we had, Jess and I had a situation where I was going super fast and doing some things and some members of my team went, went to Jess and not to, I didn't take that personally whatsoever because she was there. Realize that just because you have a department or, you know, you're listening to this Mm -hmm. and you have an entire company, you hired the people to be with you. You brought on team members to be with you because they were hopefully smarter than you and could do what you can't do. Because that's what smart people do. They bring people in that can do things they can't do. Is that it's okay. And that is not a failure on your part. Don't be so hard on yourself. And we live in an instantaneous society. Everything's now, 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 now. Not everything has to be answered immediately. Give yourself a break. Think about something before you do the answer, because once the words are out, they're out. So you want to make sure that you're not put, just throwing things out or just, I don't know, lashing out, if you will, because you dropped a thing on your foot and somebody just happens to be on the phone. But if you are getting um, that coming at you or people are coming at you negative, like what happened uh, to all the folks that were, you know, dealing with everything that was going on in their life, businesses closing, COVID, everything, is that take a second and realize it's not personal. It is just them just lashing out and just try, try just to make them smile. Even for just a brief second, if you can make everybody you come in contact with have a little smile, hey, it's all we can ask for. Absolutely. Well, thank you both. I think this was a really informative and as always enjoyable episode. And I think our listeners are going to get a lot from this. So Tom and Jess, thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. We hope you're inspired to start trying to assume positive intent, even if you start slowly. If you'd like to learn more about our company or to try The Receptionist for two weeks free, no credit card required, visit us at thereceptionist.com.